Hi there, Duke fans, and welcome to the 10th episode, episode number 10 of DBR Bites. I am Jason Evans, here for your listening enjoyment today. We're going to have a brief conversation with my buddy Donald Wine. Donald, how you feeling? Uh, well, I woke up and the NBA Twitterverse was on fire uh, and has been has remained that all day, which, Jason, that's exactly <laughs> why we're here. That is why we're here. We're going to talk about a couple of the Dukies, a few of the Dukies in the NBA who are moving on to new teams uh, as the uh, NBA trade deadline. Uh, we're recording this just a, you know, about an hour and a half, two hours past the NBA trade deadline. There might still be trades flying under the radar that we're not <laughs> missed. I mean, that time from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock Eastern time on, on Thursday as the trade deadline approached at 3 o'clock was absolutely bonkers that's why we wanted to hop on here and just talk about how crazy it was i will say i will say jason we had we we found like the most valuable player uh, of the nba apparently is five second round draft picks because it it was insane (laughs) to me how many of these trades were like you know so-and-so is going here for four second round draft picks for five seconds i was like god that's a lot of picks i know second rounders don't turn into stars but that's a lot of players. You find some gems in that. I mean, there's there's so many success stories. Obviously, there's a lot of busts, but there's so many success stories that do come from second round picks. And it obviously depends on where these teams end up slotting up. But yeah, it was very interesting to see like, you know, some team would send another team five and then that team would send those five somewhere else, but they'd go somewhere else. I I, I, I feel for whoever at NBA headquarters has to write the draft or rewrite the draft order for the next 10 oh years because I don't know what it is. <laughs> Uh, you know what I noticed actually today was there were not a lot of, at least at, toward the deadline, there were not many first round picks that got traded. Teams don't want to trade those first round picks. But when it came to Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. KD was the on the move. Is, they were trading first round picks left and right. So Jason, I think we sh- we should talk about that real quickly because even though it it did, the, the trade itself did not involve any Dukies. Uh, I, I mentioned on Twitter that uh, at a certain point with uh, with the way that the Nets have evolved over the last 48 hours, you know, Kyrie Irving first, then Kevin Durant going for four draft picks, plus Jay Crowder, plus uh, uh, Michael Br- or Mikhail Bridges. Uh, I think there was someone else involved in that trade. There was a pick swap involved. Seth Curry's probably sitting there like, yo, who's left at the Barclays Center? Is it just me? Like, I, he he probably was like uh, the very last scene of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where Will Smith is just standing in an empty living room with no furniture, just looking around like, where is every, where did everybody go? That's probably Seth Curry right now. I'll, I'll tell you something. So I, I have uh, season tickets to the Atlanta Hawks. I have really great seats. Fifth row, center court, comes with all-you-can-eat food and drink. These are primo seats. And I will remember right, this next time I'm in town. There you go. But I'll t- next time you're in town, we're going to a game. To be clear, I don't have the entire season for myself. I share it with a couple friends of mine. But one of the ways I help pay for this, because these are very expensive tickets, is I sell some of my games. And usually what I do is, like, my first few picks – as I'm putting together my list of of uh, of games for the season, the first few ones I take are ones that I'm like, I know this is going to sell for big numbers. I promise, Donald, this is going to make sense. This is going to relate to what you're talking about. <laughs> Give me one second. It's all going to come together, buddy. Anyway, I think my third, my first pick was uh, the Lakers game. My second, and the, again, these, you know, I'm, I'm trading, you know, I'm, I'm alternating with other people. So not like I had the very first pick overall, but I, I got the Lakers game, which I sold for, I almost paid for the entire season with just the Lakers game. Great. But like my third pick was a Brooklyn game coming up at the end of the month. And I thought I was going to sell that for big money. Literally today, someone asked me about it. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I'll give them to you for face value. Because because (laughs) the Nets went 
from this team that everybody wanted to watch to no Durant, no Kyrie. I don't even know who they have at this point. Jason, Jason Cam Thomas. They're all about they're, Cam they're led Thomas by ben, at this point. <laughs> no, the answer is they're led by Ben Simmons. And Jason, here's what here's what I want to tell you about Ben Simmons. If you go to that game at the end of the month and you find your way onto the basketball court and you grab the basketball and you attempt the three-pointer, you will have attempted as many three-pointers as Ben Simmons has all year long. So uh, I'm rooting for you. And I think you can make it, <laughs> unlike Ben Simmons. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right, let's get to – look, this is the – this is the DBR. This is the Duke basketball report. Duke, we said, let's get to the Dukies on the move because there were three Dukies who in the final hour of the day of the NBA trade deadline who all found themselves on new teams, um, and sometimes through some crazy different ways of moving around. The the first one, the one that happened last of, of all three of them, I want to, and let's take these one at a time in order. Mason Plumley went from the Charlotte Hornets to the LA Clippers. Uh, basically the trade for Reggie Jackson of the Clippers. Uh, you know, so trading a perimeter guy in Reggie Jackson for a big man in Mason Plumley. Uh, Mason's name, there may have been no name out there in the final hours, the final days of the NBA trade deadline that was being thrown around more than Mason Plumley. And it wasn't teams who were saying, oh, this is the guy who's going to become come to my team and become a star. This wasn't a Kevin Durant kind of situation, obviously, but there were a lot of teams and a lot of fans out there that looked at the season that Mason is having, arguably the best season of his entire career. And they were like, this guy can be a huge piece for us. And and I know, you know, Charlotte wasn't going anywhere. Charlotte wasn't going to be doing anything this year in terms of the postseason. The Clippers are looking, you know, they've got, they're getting healthy. They got their stars in Paul George uh, and uh, uh, Why Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, thank you. Completely blanked in Kawhi Leonard's name there. They've got their stars. They're looking for pieces that fit around them. And I think they're, they're really happy to have gotten Mason Plumley. It, it, it's a big deal for him to be playing on a, a playoff team like this. Uh, he will, he'll be backing up uh, Ivica Zubac, who's their starting center, who plays about 29 minutes a game. But I think Mason's going to push him. Uh, it, it's possible that Zubac will play a little bit less and Mason will get in there, you know, 25 or so minutes per game for the Clippers. You know, the one interesting thing to me is whether or not he's going to have the ball in his hands as much as he did in Charlotte. Mason was like a a point center at times for Charlotte. They were running their offense through him because he's such a good passer. He has really impressive assist numbers for a big man. And I'm not sure, you know, with 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 the creators that the Clippers have, I don't know that they'll use Mason quite that way, but I think this is a really interesting move for him. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good move for him because Jason, like you said, I think he's going to push push Zubak for a lot of time, um, especially in the post. You were mentioning his passing ability. I think the, the thing about what Charlotte did, and this is not necessarily to equate Mason Plumley with Nikola Jokic, but they kind of ran a similar style of offense in that the ball went through the five instead of going through a point guard. So I think the 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 one thing about Mason Plumley is I don't know if he'll be in the game towards crunch time. I think the one thing he, you know, has been that he struggled with a lot during his career has been free throws um, to the point where he's shooting them left-handed now because he found that he shoots them better left-handed than right-handed. By the way, um, he also but, shoots, he sometimes shoots jump shots left-handed too, which is hysterical yes. to look at. But but the funny <laughs> thing is that it's, it started to work for him, especially this year. He's found a little confidence in that. And, uh, and also on defense, I think, you know, Zubac is Zubac is, is thought of as probably a better defender, but Mason Plumlee is no slouch on defense. He'll go after balls and he'll be a guy that can kind of, uh, come, you know, hold, hold it down in, in the center spot, so to speak, in the paint. 
I think this makes it interesting for him because he is going to uh, be on the team that is trying to challenge for the Western crown is one of the, you know, many teams at this point that's considered a favorite. Um, and so I think this is going to be good. Maybe this helps him elevate his game, especially when he has guys like, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George pass to look, but Donald, the biggest thing about this deal to, to, for, from a Duke fan standpoint, Mason, you know, he goes from being the starting center in Charlotte to a backup, but probably playing prominent minutes on the Clippers. Charlotte no longer has a starting center, and I think it's very, very possible that we're about to see Mark Williams as the starting center for the Charlotte Hornets. For for people who have not been paying attention to what Mark Williams has been doing lately, dude has been balling out over the past few weeks. Like, really impressive, putting up really good numbers. He's only been playing, you know, like 15 minutes per game or so. Sometimes he'll spike up as much as like 19 or 20. But uh, if if he's able to maintain what he's been doing and and his minutes increase, you're going to hear people starting to really notice the numbers that may, uh, sorry, that uh, Mark Williams is putting up because on a, if you look at his stats this year on a 36 minute per game basis that, you know, sometimes people will normalize stats for, Oh, let's pretend like you're a starter and you play 36 minutes a game. Here are Mark Williams's stats on a per 36 minute basis, 18.2 points per game, 13.4 rebounds per game. That's a big number. 2.6 block shots per game. So he is a guy who is impacting the game in terms of his rim protection and and in terms of grabbing rebounds in a very big way. And I'm super excited to see what he does because I, I guarantee one of the reasons Charlotte made this deal was that they recognize that they want to give more minutes to Mark Williams. Yeah, well, they've gotten a lot younger. I mean, the, the Charlotte, you know, I won't say the Charlotte experiment, um, but this year has not worked out for them. Uh, they're not one of the better teams in the NBA. They're down there uh, alongside my Detroit Pistons uh, in the you know battle for Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. But um, I think the thing about this is they're they're looking to go young and ho- and hopefully they're they're looking to develop some of that young talent that they have acquired over the last couple of years. And you know they've had some injuries. A lot of people are starting to get back healthy again. But now is the time where they can focus on building that core. Uh, and, and getting them to play minutes together. That's where Mark Williams comes in. And like you said, his stats, uh, you know, when you when you extrapolate them to full, you know, games or at least close to full games, he's putting up some pretty good numbers, especially on the defensive end with the rebounds and the blocks. Uh, that's where he he's not – I we don't think Charlotte needs him to put in 18, 20, 25 points a game, but they will like him to pull down 10, 13 rebounds a game and block a few shots because I think – one thing that Charlotte has not done well this year, which is why they've lost a lot, has played defense. And if Mark Williams can be a, a, a sizable defender in the paint, then Charlotte will their their prospects for improvement will go much higher very quickly. Hey, so we mentioned Men- Mason Plumley moving to the to the LA Clippers. Moving away from the LA Clippers is Luke Kennard, who has gone from there to the Memphis Grizzlies. He stays in the Western Conference. He stays on one of those teams that's toward the top of the Western Conference and will be battling to uh, hopefully make a very, very deep run in the playoffs. Uh, he gets to, he gets to join uh, Tyus Jones, which, you know, would be fun for Duke fans uh, there in uh, Memphis. I- I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued at seeing what Memphis does with Kennard because they've got, they've got some wings, you know, shooting guards, small forwards that they really like there in Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain. They've got a good backup in John Conchar who actually starts occasionally for them. And he's a good defender and I, they've got a pretty nice situation but they brought in Luke Kennard intentionally. And I kind of wonder if maybe 
Look, Desmond Bain is is outstanding. Dylan Brooks has struggled. If you look at Dylan Brooks's numbers, he's not shooting good from two. He's not shooting good from three. Now he's he's a good defender, and Memphis values defense in a big big way. But I'm wondering if maybe Luke Kennard is coming there to push Dylan Brooks a little bit and provide a little extra three point shooting around the greatness that is John ja Morant. Yeah, he's he's there to provide three point shooting insurance, if you want to say. Um, also with two point, cause Jason, like, just like he did in college, he's done a lot in the NBA of being able to, you know, once he establishes that he can hit the three kind of move into that 15 foot range and hit, you know, mid range jumpers as well. But his idea is to keep the second unit running while he is, uh, on the floor, at least from an offensive standpoint. And also, you know, we saw him on the Clippers, not all the time, but especially when guys were hurt, be on the court during clutch time where, you know, they need a three pointer or they need, you know, a, 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 sh- a shot. He was one of those guys that was, you know, on the floor uh, with hands in the air trying to take that shot. So he, he brings that experience and also just the experience of he's the great thing for him is he's really not moving uh, downwards. It's kind of a lateral move, so to speak. You're going from one contender to another uh, from the Clippers to the Grizzlies. And of course, he gets to, you know, watch as John Morant kind of flies all over the arena. Um you know, with vicious dunks and all that stuff. So I, I think, you know, it's a pretty good move for him. It'll be interesting, as you mentioned, to see how those rotations work out. But I think he can work his way right in there. You, you know, the one thing about Luke Kennard is, man, that dude can just, he can really shoot. Have you seen his free throws? He's hitting 95% of his free throws in the season. Yeah. That's just, that's outrageous. He's also hitting almost 45% of his three-pointers uh, he has, for the past three years, he has consistently been at 44, 45% on his three pointers. That's, you know, it's an amazing. I think he's very there. close. I think he's very close to a 50, 40, 90 season right now. I, mean, I think, I think he's at like 48 or 49% uh, from the floor. Uh, so he just needs to his two that point, just a bit. He's at 46% on his two point, uh, you know, yeah. overall on field goals. So he, he needs to get those two. He barely hits two pointers better than he hits his three pointers, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The last dookie on the move that we want to talk about cam reddish goes from the New York Knicks to the Portland trailblazers in a trade for Josh Hart. There were several other assets involved in this trade. This was not a straight up deal by any stretch of the imagination. There may be nobody whose stock uh, has, has declined quite as much as cam reddish's has over the past year or so. I I feel like this guy, you know, if he gets a chance in Portland, he's playing for his NBA future. He's playing for his NBA next contract. He he does not have a contract. He'll be a free agent this summer, and it'll be a restricted free agent. And you know, it'll be interesting to see if Portland wants to retain him or not. I, I guess they'll you know they'll have a chance now to 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 see what he can do. But he had completely fallen out of favor in New York, and it's kind of weird because early in the year. Like back in October, November, he was playing a pretty good bit for the Knicks. He had several games where he was scoring like pretty nicely. He had games where he was scoring 20 plus points. And then like suddenly in, I think it was late November or early December, just like they stopped playing. He he, he literally, I don't think he's appeared in a game in 2023 so far. I, I'd have to go and check, but I'm pretty sure he hasn't. And I don't know if he did something to to piss off the Knicks management or the Knicks coaching staff, but They've been shopping him around. There hadn't been any takers at the, you know, at the finally at the deadline, they made a deal and sent him to Portland. Portland's got some good wings ahead of him. I mean, Anthony Simmons is really good. He's a 20 point per game player on the wing. They drafted Shaden Sharp, who 
like may have the highest vertical leap of anybody in the NBA. Shaden Sharp is just outrageous athlete. So they've got some, and they they also moved a bunch of different guys around at the trade deadline. They've got Jeremy Grant. Justice Winslow is also on Portland. They got a lot of different interesting pieces. I'm not I'm not sure where Cam finds time, but he's got to find time somewhere if he's going to continue to be an NBA player after this season. And you also, uh, you, uh, we were talking about this before, but they also just traded for Matisse Thibel. Um, so that is a big deal because he, that's he is a, a huge. He's a defensive specialist. Mm-hmm. He, he's one of the better wing defenders in the entire NBA, which is something Cam has struggled at. Right. And also what that means is, you know, he was one of the guys who was starting slash getting a lot of minutes for the Philadelphia 76ers. And he's probably going to move into that starting lineup in Portland. So that's still taking another, you know, instance of a guy that could be taking time away from Cam Reddish. But yeah, you're right. He has to figure out a way to get on the floor and also get hot. And and especially, you know, in college and even early in his career, he was shooting threes. And that's where he's going to need to find, find a niche because, for all the shooters that they do have, Anthony Simmons can shoot the three. Obviously, Dame can shoot from anywhere in Oregon. Um, but Cam has to be that guy, too. Uh, he has to be a third option for if they need a three, if they need to get hot from deep. He needs to be the guy to do it. And uh, this is kind of a trial for him. You know, this is a, he's he's taken a three months to kind of, you know, play for uh, some money elsewhere and, and be seen and, and and try to figure out if he can find a place in this lineup. So uh, good luck to him. And I, I think he could do it, but he, he has to, he has to turn it around pretty quickly. So with that, we're going to wrap it up here on the latest edition of DBR bites. As we discuss the Dukies on the move around the NBA, there are obviously many, many, many other Dukies who stayed put uh, and, and have some really, really interesting situations that uh, the Celtics didn't really make any big moves. There were a lot of talk that the Celtics would make a move, as they, you know, they're they are certainly one of the leading contenders for the NBA title this year, and and that is all built around uh, our our man Jason Tatum. Uh, it, it it's going to be really interesting to see how these final couple months of the season play out. I just want to say, like, you know, we just did three trades of what seems to be a billion trades that happened today, uh, or we we talked about four because we talked about KD as well. But we've we've talked about a ton of trades. I just want you guys to realize that how volatile this trade deadline was over the last two weeks. Only two teams have not made a deal. And that was the bulls and the Cavaliers. Every other team in the NBA made at least some deal, whether it was trading picks or being involved in a trade that involved someone else. Every other team in the NBA made some sort of move in the last two weeks, except for the bulls and the Cavs. So uh, it shapes up where everyone's talking about who's the number one team in the East and the West the answer is, you know, these next few weeks are going to be wild as these teams trying to, you know, all these teams try to adjust to the new players that they have in their system. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, and we have the all-star break coming up in a couple of weeks. So uh, we just learned actually that that Zion will not be back in time for that. So it, it, there's a lot of guys who are, it, it'll be interesting to see how this NBA season plays out, but it's very clear that everyone is trying to build up to win. And uh, I guess the, the KD trade, Late last night kind of shook everybody and shook everybody in the gear this morning. Yeah, it's been fun stuff. All right, we will be back. The DBR will return after the game against Virginia. A big, big, big game for the Duke Blue Devils as they try to uh, right the wrong <laughs> that happened on Monday at Miami. Woo, boy, that thing still stinks. It's been several days and it still needs that one. We needs this one. This is a huge, huge game for Duke. All right, for Donald, I am Jason. For Sam, who couldn't be with us, For the Dukies in the NBA, earning big money and moving to new places. That's it. 
DBR Podcast, episode number 10. In the books, Duke Band. Play us out and take us home. Hey, KD, let me hold a dollar. <laughs> a dollar? You want more than a dollar. <laughs> Thank you.